0: Where have you come from and where are you going to that's the question interpret it whatever way you like <laughs> you see it's not it's not a very easy question to answer particularly in london where have you come from well sometimes people say "Well, where's home it's actually it's not very easy to explain that because it's lots of different places uh, and where are you going to well that, that's complicated too i'm not really sure it's not really clear but but i know that i was in one place and i'm heading in another place Would you like to take a Bible? And we're going to look at the end of Matthew's gospel, page 946, Matthew chapter 28, and the end section of that, verse 16 to 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Lord, we pray that you would Speak to us, through us. But right now, we invite your spirit uh, to reveal yourself to us through your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. From the early church, to the middle church, to the later church, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. God is always on the move. There is a land and a launch. Wherever you come from, where are you going to? There is a land and launch dynamic to the whole story of the Bible. Abraham goes from Ur. Canaan, Joseph goes from Canaan to Egypt, Moses goes from Egypt to the promised land. The people of God go from the promised land into exile, the exiles go to Jerusalem. The apostles in Jerusalem go to all the world. Do you see a pattern (laughs) from security and safety, a place of belonging and home, even towards? risk, danger, difficulty, and then establishing a place of security and safety, belonging and home for others. Land and launch and land again. I'm really delighted to be here. I'm delighted to have been invited to talk on this church planting Sunday. Thank you very much for having me. Well, having me back... Uh, because in 2005, I was working with uh, Rick, and he was at a church in West London called HTB. I-, I was working with him shortly before launching off myself for two years of ordination training. Uh, and I remember Rick and Louis and Jez being sent to church plant at this place in East London called St. Paul Shadwell. And there was lots of praying going as they were launched. And, and I landed in the team here as a curate in 2007. And, and some of you are here um, were very gracious and very welcoming to me, and um, I consider myself to have been formed as a church planter by being uh, part of the family here at St. Paul's Shadwell. And, and really, I have, to, I have to say, because I mean it, thank you. Thank you for what you've given to me, and I'll family. And I consider us to still be family. And I've known Phil and Charlotte for a few years and it's just so wonderful that, that we continue to be family. And so thank you. My mother is really into family history. It wasn't until we'd moved here, living in Redcastle Close, uh, just across the road, just off Glamis Road, um, that she told me that one of my ancestors as a person called Matthew Mead. Matthew Mead was sent from Stepney to establish a new, the words were there on the card, a chapel of rest. Uh, These days we might call it a missional community or perhaps even a church plant to serve the people in Shadwell. And Matthew Mead is the first name at the top of that list of vicars at St. Paul Shadwell at the back. Land and launch. It happened. And in 2010, we were sent from St. Paul Shadwell to revitalize a church in Bethnal Green. Uh, do you know Bethnal Green? Anyone be to Bethnal Green? It's, it's up north in the borough. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm still the vicar there uh, now. And these days, I also work at that church in West London, HCB, on, on national church planting strategy. And my wife, Heather, Uh, Is also ordained, and from last October, uh, she's been running St. Peter's day to day, and she's doing a much better job of it uh, than I did. And she clearly learnt a lot more than I did uh, when I was here at St. Paul's. Uh, When we were considering the future of St. Peter's Bethnal Green, uh, there was a conversation with the leaders of uh, the small group of people who remained at the church. And the question was what's your hope for the future? small group of people at St. Peter's. They said, we're all going to die, and we don't want them to close us when we're gone. If you're familiar with the East End spirit, you'll know. (laughs) There's some steel in that. And then they said, we want to see children in the church again. A vision of death and a vision of life and there began what was uh, the first church plant from St. Paul Shadwell. Uh, We gathered a team of 20 pioneers uh, who had heard for themselves the particular call of God to go. It wasn't right for everybody at that time, uh, but it was right for these people, because just as Pam had said, they heard from God. They knew that God was calling them. Uh, Just as it is right for those going with Bernard, just as is right for those going to Husk. At St. Peter's Bethnal Green, we've blended two church traditions together. We've blended more than two communities together. And this work of blending and flourishing and growing has not been our work, lest we get pleased with ourselves as we look back and see uh, how, how good it's looking now and how warm the, you know, the heating is on. There are people in and out. There are some lights. Uh, there are people discovering Jesus. But this isn't our work. It's been the work of the Holy Spirit. We had a session on our first Alpha, uh, which was about the Holy Spirit. And somebody from the original congregation was called Grace. And um, I was told that you couldn't find somebody who um, was less like their name. (laughs) She was cross and anxious, not like how a grace uh, might be. And on the Holy Spirit Day, the Lord came and drew close to her. Jesus came. Her heart was softened. She's still a core member of the church. And God has been using her to reflect her name, grace, to a number of people. In the early days, uh, my wife Heather was preaching one Sunday. Uh, and um it, the previous week we had uh, a baptism of uh, one of the kids in church who uh, was old enough to say that that they wanted to be baptized and we baptize anybody uh, at any age and she just happened to be a, a child who wanted to be baptized and um sometimes happens with baptisms, all sorts of family, you know, all sorts of people who've not been in church for a while, if at all, sort of gather around. And uh, at the end of that service, um, one of the relatives uh, came up to me and said, what's happening here? I don't, I don't understand it because something's new, something's changed. I used to be at this church 20 years ago and um, something's different. And she came back the following week, this woman was called Natasha. This was when Heather was preaching. And Heather was preaching about forgiveness. The simple message that forgiveness is available today and right now because of what Jesus did on the cross. And there's, there's nothing to prevent you receiving God's forgiveness and freedom right this moment. And Tasha stuck around for a little bit and uh, went out with a family to Nando's after, and uh, turned to her mum and said, you know that forgiving? Well, I did a bit of that. She'd had an abusive partner, and the following Thursday, she was found dead on the sofa by her 15-year-old son. I'm so grateful to God For that opportunity to hear the message of forgiveness, to do business with him. Friends, this is a matter of life and death. Unless we go, how are they to hear? An old Archbishop of Canterbury once said is the only institution which exists principally the benefit of its (laughs) non-members. Church planting is the best way we know to reach people who don't know Jesus. As he says, therefore, go. But what do we do as we go? We have lots of great plans to uh, set up in a new land, to go from home towards risk and danger and difficulty, to land and launch and all of that may be good but at a more fundamental level what are we doing because empires and world religions have expanded because people have gone to new areas taken them by force created new territory in which the rule of this new philosophy or force has been established over people perhaps That's what we think we're doing. Instead, Jesus sets out his manifesto at the beginning of his ministry. It's actually in a passage we looked at at the first service over at the Institute. Because he quotes the words of a servant king in Isaiah chapter 61. Right at the beginning... He goes to a synagogue in Nazareth, and he says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. That's what it says in Isaiah But what about Jesus? The day of vengeance? He actually doesn't quote that line. He puts a full stop after the previous sentence the year of the Lord's favor. Do you see? His commission is our commission. We are to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Good news, you and I make disciples with the most potent force known in the world, love. Our church planting is all about love, love. We like to think that church planting by love, one way of thinking about it is show and tell. Show and tell. So I could show you my wife, but if I didn't say anything about her, you wouldn't know her name, uh, how old she is, uh, and where you could find her. And if I just told you about Heather, what I think about her and what she does, you wouldn't recognize her in the street if she walked past you. Show and tell. We need show and tell. And of course, even better... If Heather comes up to meet you and speak to you, as we do show and tell the love of Jesus, we trust that he himself is being revealed to the people that we meet. Good news. The servant king has come. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. God is always on the move. There is a land and launch dynamic to the whole of the Bible. The pattern from security and safety, a place of belonging and home, towards risk and danger and difficulty, and then to establishing a place of security and safety for others. Land and launch. Land and launch. Jesus came. God sent him. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, sent not just towards risk, but to mortal danger. On the cross, Jesus bridged that gap that separated God and the people who are far from him. That whoever believes in him may not perish, but have everlasting life. But notice how Jesus came to his disciples before he told them to go. We are not sent empty. Friends, if we are to show and tell the love of God to anyone else, we need to experience it. For ourselves, We need to experience and to know the love of Jesus. As St. Paul writes, that surpasses knowledge, to know it. We need to be filled with his love and keep on being filled. The core business of church planting is love. Disciple making here at St. Paul Shadwell, at Husk, in Vienna, at St. Peter's Bethnal Green, in our workplaces, among artists, children, the rich, the poor. It's about love, and this love is poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to his disciples, and by his Spirit, he's here now. And his promise is, I am with you always, to the very end of the earth. So I think it would be great to take a moment to get filled up with his love. Don't you? Or not? (laughs) Just check it. So shall we stand? Let's invite his presence. Let's invite him to fill us. It's such an exciting day. But we don't want to leave here empty and spent. We want to leave here filled with love so that we've got something to give. So let's invite the Spirit to come and fill us out. So, Holy Spirit, we invite your presence. Thank you. Come, Holy Spirit, pour out your love. I'm just going to receive. Just allow God's love, uh, once again, to fill you. about verbs and how they work but there is a way of describing how the Holy Spirit is poured out to us and um, the Bible talks about it, uh, be being filled Paul writes be being filled with the Holy Spirit it's not just a once and then we move on we are vessels that are filled give out and keep being filled up. and I wonder if there might be one or two people here um, for whom you have been Filled, you know that the love of God has uh, has touched your heart, and it's gone beyond just a, a head thing into a heart thing. But that was then, and this is now, and you're feeling a bit empty and dry. And the invitation is is a posture of of permanent openness <laughs> to be filled and for that love to f- flow out. If that's you, if you'd like a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, uh, you're feeling a wee bit dry and thirsty, just raise a hand. So like let's do that now. Yeah, thank you. That's good. Holy Spirit, pour out a fresh living water flow. We trust you for this work. We, we relinquish a hold on uh, the control of our own lives, our own futures, and our where you're calling us to. We, we pray that love would propel us. But Lord, we need to be filled. We need your resources, because what we have isn't enough. And Lord, you've made us for life.